Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And that perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. Hello, everyone. So in this podcast episode, we are giving you a recording from the first ever One Solution conference that we had in Oslo a couple of years ago. And in this particular clip, you are going to be listening to Linda Pransky. And she did a keynote on the first day of the conference, explaining a little bit her journey of seeing how learning about her mind helped her life. And then she realized that learning about the minds of a community helps helps the community. And then she learned that what if this thing that I've learned for myself could actually be the solution to the world. So there's some good stuff in here. I really hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please um, let us know. Let us know in uh, either commenting when we post it or reviewing it on iTunes or in any way, shape or form. We really appreciate your feedback. Enjoy. I'm so happy to be here. And I want to thank Adik and Mara for all the energy and thought that they put in to make this conference happen. Because this particular conference I've waited for for a long, long time. So I want to make a statement, and I want to talk about that statement personally within society and within nations. I think that one of the biggest problems for humanity is that they become imprisoned or we become imprisoned by our own thinking and don't know it. This weekend, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the one solution for that problem. So I'm going to start with my story. I have to back up about 30 plus years ago when I was a young woman. And I was struggling internally, and life looked really hard. And I was struggling with doubt and indecision and fears and anxieties and relationships. And I didn't have any answers. Now, from the outside, if you looked at me, I was in college. I had a job. I looked really good. I mean, I looked like a successful person. But inside, I felt like I had a third job of managing my experience. And I was scrambling as fast as I could to figure things out for myself. To not be overwhelmed by indecision, by doubt, by anxiety. At one point, and I did something very radical. I thought, there's got to be an answer to this. Life can't be this hard. It's got to be a lot easier. And there's got to be an answer. So what I did is I quit my job, I quit school, and I moved to California. (laughs) And this was in the mid-70s when the human potential movement was happening in San Francisco. And I joined everything. (laughs) I was an equal opportunity self 
help addict. <laughs> I went everywhere and did everything trying to find an answer to how does a person stop that internal struggle, stop that internal doubt, stop that internal insecurity, anxiety. Now, what happened, fortunately, by happenstance, by luck, I met this man who said, you have one problem, and it's thought. You're imprisoned by your own thinking, and you don't know it. But you can know it. And if you know it, that thought will fall away, and you will see an ocean of possible thoughts that are inspiring, insightful, hopeful, that will answer your questions, that will solve your problems. Now, when he said that, I didn't say this, but I thought it. No. (laughs) That's too simple. Because, see, my mind looked for complexity. My mind did not look for simplicity, and I was taught complex, and when I was in California, it was all very, very complicated and challenging. Many hoops, psychological hoops to jump through to get to those answers, which I never got. Now, I was, even though I said no, it's too simple, somewhere, somehow I was hooked. And he gave me a really, really wonderful example. He said, look, he says, your mind is an ocean of infinite thought. And you're in this little side bay with a little inlet, but you don't see the inlet. You're in this little bay rowing around, complaining about the same thinking and the same experience, and you don't realize if you went out to this inlet you would see infinite possibilities, infinite solutions, and you'd find well-being. And I stayed with him. I listened to him, and it took me two years. And I finally started to see that what was troubling me, what I was fighting, was just thought. And that if I looked in the direction of my mind, of mind, if I looked, as Mara said, in a different direction, I started to see solutions and answers. I started to find, I started to become my own best friend and my own best counsel. And it gave me tremendous independence and personal power. And that's what I'd been looking for, my own personal power. I mean, they talked about that all the time in San Francisco, personal power. I didn't know what it meant until I realized what it meant is you have your answers from within. That's the last place I looked, was in. I was always looking outside to circumstance and to you. Tell me what to do. I don't know. You tell me. What do you think? What do you think I should do? That's what, that's what I did. And then I realized when I looked inside, I had a depth of mind where I could find what I needed. 
And so do you. So doesn't everyone. When they see that when they get stuck, they're just stuck in thought. They're stuck in that little eddy rowing around, and they've forgotten that they have access to infinite thought and possibility. Now, once I learned this for myself, I started teaching. I started working with people, worked with all kinds of people. People would come with anxiety, they'd come with depression, they'd come with stress. Companies would send businessmen to me and say, fix them or they're going to get fired because they don't work well with others. And that's what I did for 30 years. 30 plus years I've been working with people, showing them that the limitations that they feel, the limitations that they have, that they can look past and think again. Because they can access a deeper mind. It's so simple. It's so simple. But it's so true. But you, you know what? You, you have to realize it. It has to come with a realization. Not an intellectual understanding, but a true, true realization. And I, when I look back, I know that's why I stayed and listened to that man, because the truth of what he was saying resonated with me, even though intellectually I said no. So... I don't know when it was. Was it in March that Adik and Mara called me and said, you know, you know how we've been talking about taking this understanding to the world? You know, we've been talking about that. Well, we're doing it. Do you want to be part of it? And I said, yes, I got goosebumps. And so after I said yes, I thought, well, how am I going to talk about this globally? Because I just work with people one-on-one. How would I see this globally, in society, in nations? And it was really interesting, because as soon as I had that thought, guess what? All kinds of ideas, memories, thoughts occurred to me about what it looks like to me globally, what it looks like to me, Linda Pransky, within society. So I'm going to tell you a couple. So one of the things, so in, 19, in 1950, I think, scientists believed that runners could not run faster than four minutes. It was impossible, physiologically impossible, for runners to break that four-minute mile. And that was the thinking, and everyone agreed. Well, then comes along, and I think his name is Roger Barrister. Yeah? Bannister? Barrister? Well, for whatever reason, he didn't think that way. And he broke the four-minute mile. Now, when he broke what happened, when he broke that four-minute mile, here's what's important about that. It opened everybody else's mind up to the possibility, and guess what? How many people have broken the four-minute mile? Does anybody know? Thousands since then. 
It's commonplace. It's commonplace. But see, once he did it, athletes, runners, their minds opened and they got curious and they went, hey, how can I do that? They looked in the direction. They looked to the possibility for themselves. See, their thought fell away and they came and they went from the eddy into the ocean. Okay. Now, the other thing I remembered, I had forgotten this, and this is a personal example. And this, and, and this happened, in, this is in the United States. In like 1972, I went to get a credit card. And guess what? As a woman, I couldn't get one. And I was shocked. Do you believe that? I couldn't get a credit card without a signature of a husband or a father. And I was like, what? I can't get a credit card? You're kidding. That was the thinking in 1972. Do you believe that? Now, I know it's still the thinking in some countries, but in the United States, that was the thinking. Well, what happened two years later, they passed a law, an equal opportunity law or amendment, not sure which, and women could get credit. Now, this was interesting because once women got credit, you know what they did? They bought houses. And the housing market boomed. They, that change in thought affected the economy. That one change, as soon as women got credit, it changed the economy. So when thought falls away, it changes the world. When thought fell away for me, it changed my world. Now, you take it up to another level. You take it to nations, right? And I was thinking about nations. They're just people. And nations get caught in thought. They get imprisoned. Their mind gets imprisoned by thought. They get in a state of mind of fear. They don't know it's thought. They act on it. Because what happens? Conflict. Conflict in the world. Because they're reacting to the feeling and thought of fear. And they don't realize that they could think again. That there are deeper solutions. Deeper answers. If they just look within their own mind in a different direction. They stop for a minute and consider that they could think again and look past that. Now, I loved what Adik and Mara said about you guys being participants of this here this weekend. Because what I would like you to do, what I invite you to do, is look within your own mind to how thought has fallen away for you. Look in your own mind, in your memory, how thought has changed society. Your own stories. Because I know it's happened to you. I know you have those stories. I know you have those memories. And what's important about that is to appreciate it. Because see, when people start appreciating this, how thought works, 
they keep looking in that, they keep looking inside instead of out. They look inside, oh, that's thought too. That's thought too. And to understand the power of that can change the world. <laughs>